Bubbles, we've been stuck inside for months. There's nothing to do. We can play video games. Oh, yeah. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the More You Nerd, the 2020 Mori Awards. Uh, <sighs> and the longest year ever, as I said last week, the, deserves the, the longest Mori's ever. The decades-long year of 2020. Uh, and, um, I, and I realized in, in getting set up for this, Miles, that uh, I played a lot more new games this year than I watched new movies this year. <laughs> yeah i i definitely played a lot i played a lot of games i i didn't play as many new games at least at first as i had in years past because i've been bringing up a backlog and i used a lot of the downtime that happened this year uh to to, to dive into that backlog uh but that doesn't mean i didn't spend many many hours on some new games Oh, yes. So let's get right down to it. Of course, this is the Mori Awards, the the awards that we don't typically in years past. We have done one Mori's episode where we've kind of focused on a few things here and a few things there. But nah, fam, this year we are going all out because it's been a long one and we've spent a lot of time inside. So let's give out our first Mori Award for video games for the evening. And I'm going to call it the. Ah, it feels so good to be back home again, Maury, for Final Fantasy VII Remake. This is a game that I honestly did not believe existed until it loaded up onto my machine. <laughs> <laughs> it had been promised for years and years and years and years and years. And oh, here we are. It promised for a couple years. It had been teased for like a decade and a half. Sure. Sure. But Final Fantasy VII Remake is one of those games that was a little more divisive this year because it took some creative liberties with the Final Fantasy VII story, the Final Fantasy VII story, at least as we know it, uh, mostly because it's not a full game. It is just one portion of the original game expanded to the length of a full game that we would know it today. And I'm not going to lie. And I know I know this this is entirely because I'm not an FF7 purist and and that might be why. But this worked so well for me. I loved some of those changes and, and even some of the expansions they made. I, I really felt that they not only honored the the story that they always wanted to tell, because I, I remember reading the interviews where it's like, you know, we are changing some stuff up because we can fully dive in in a way that we weren't ever able to. And I mean, I understand that there might be some points of contention with certain details of the story, but by and large, I think they knocked it out of the park. I agree. I mean, there are par there are points that I like more in the original than I like in the remake. There are points that I like in the remake a heck of a lot more than I like in the original, mostly because this is a game that takes just one facet of that original game and expands it and fills in all these gaps and changes all these things. And, and it just it paints a much larger picture of the world of Final Fantasy seven than they could ever have done in 1997. I'm not pleased with it. everything in it. Pull up challenge. 
looking at you, but it oh, is, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> it is, oh, I am with you on that one. <laughs> it is a game that I spent a tremendous amount of time with this year and something that I am so looking forward to see what they do next because I'm I, and I'm trying to avoid spoilers on this for some reason, even though this is a Maury's episode, because I know that this game makes pretty drastic changes to the ending of 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 the Midgar section of Final Fantasy seven. And I'm just excited to see where they take it and what they do next, because it's it doesn't detract from the original FF seven existing and it being its own thing. It is adding and 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 creating new content adjacent to all this stuff. Yeah, and I think what what makes it stand out so much to me more than anything else is not the gameplay and how they modernize the material system, but it's it's the time they took to develop these characters. You you really live with these characters and they make you fall in love with everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are characters whose fate I I know 100% from this portion of the game. And 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 it makes what happened just oh so harder. And then there are characters whose fate was always kind of a little up in the air and you're like, "Oh, they might be uh they might be coming in on this one." Yeah. And and so and, I, and I'm just excited about that. And just little things where if you look at at the three principal characters of Cloud, Tifa and Eris. Yes, I'm going to say Eris. I'll try. I'll probably slip and say Aerith because that's what they call her. You spend so much time with Tifa in the beginning part of this game, and you really oh, get dude. so much more of Tifa in the beginning of the game than you ever got in the original Final Fantasy VII. And it, it's it's so nice and wonderful. It and is. it's like, oh, man, Tifa's great. I was I was texting you and our, our buddy Mike uh, that I do not care about Aerith at all. When, when's Tifa coming back? And then, and then. They, they're, they're, they're so good at this because once Aerith becomes a real main part of the story, not just the first time you hang out with her uh, or her first meeting, but once she really kind of comes back into the narrative and becomes a, a full character, you're like, OK, I get it. Mm-hmm. And I, I did. I did love Aerith, too, but uh, Tifa, they just uh, they knocked out of the park so hard in that, in that they, first impression. But they knocked it out of the just... park with Aerith, too, because her her like, again, this is the first time. Well, it's not the first time well, we've I gotten mean, voice let, acting, let, let, but it's it. I, I mean, they, they make it seem that 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 Aerith and Tifa should have their own adventure and Cloud needs to go home. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. But like but the voice cast specifically for those two characters is phenomenal. so phenomenal. phenomenal it's it it's hard to it's hard to think that that this is never the way that it was and i think what this game also did was especially for me and 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 i know some people might laugh because it is known how hardcore of a final fantasy 8 fan that i am but i never really connected with cloud and this game rectified that i i really thought they made cloud a an interesting complicated character who's um i don't want to say um his prickliness is is not only justified but you you can see they they would define this character in such a way that you understand he is why the way he is even if that isn't always something that you agree with for sure and of course barrett is also expertly cast like i just i love so much of this game i'm excited to 
to go back and, and play it again prior to whatever comes next, which I'm presuming they're working on. I hope they're working on. I hope they're working on three more sequels to this to do the full experience of this game. I'll spend the money. I know I'm that kind of clown, but uh, I um and I, I have long said that I I do not require a remake for Final Fantasy VIII. But after seeing the amount of care and attention that went into this, I was like, oh, you know what? I'd kind of like that a little bit too. Um, but yeah, Final, Final Fantasy VII remake is um see we, we're an audio <laughs> podcast people can't see the the gesture that i just did they can't see yeah the, he, he he quoted uh, squall but the, um, the picture perfect squall impression that i did not just with my voice but with my arm movements it was perfect the, the voice that he doesn't have in the original game <laughs> i'm i'm available square enix um but no i i I think this game also, and I and I know we have other games to get to. Uh, this is why I wanted to start off with this one because it's one I knew that you and I would converse about. But I, I throughout the process of of reading about this game, I, it felt like this game was going to be sort of an apology for the narrative failure that happened with Final Fantasy Fifteen, which was a game that had some awesome gameplay but largely felt half finished. Well, and, and, and that's it, it's interesting to say that about Final Fantasy 15, because Final Fantasy 15 is a full game that felt half finished. Yes. Final Fantasy seven is a portion of a much larger game that <laughs> isn't finished. But, but, he, but here's the here's the thing. I feel more satisfied with that chunk of game than the narrative that we got with Final Fantasy 15. And I'm someone who constantly says Final Fantasy 15 could have been my favorite game in the series. There yeah. is a lot of work in the beginning of that game that is amazing. And and here, yeah, we're, we we one we know going in, they were direct with what we were getting into. But at the same time, if this was the only version we got, if this was like it almost feels like the the American movie adaptation of Final Fantasy 7, you know? Yeah where yeah. it, it kind of tells part of the story. I am satisfied. I'm satisfied <laughs> with this, where this ends. I'm, I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, this is, it leaves you enough to talk about. There's enough for me to go back and play. I just, it, Square needed to really hit this uh, out of the park. And no matter what you might think of the changes, I, I don't think anyone can really make the argument that they did not succeed with this game. So what's next on our Maury's list? Miles? Well, um, speaking of 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 returns, I, uh, I I'm gonna I'm gonna follow this up with another one that we 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 can get into deep conversations about, but uh, we decided to call this the yes we're still playing this award, <laughs> and and that's going to Destiny Two Beyond Light. Uh, Destiny has probably made an appearance on every Maury's for the last six or seven years, um, but this time. I feel like it, I mean, I always feel like it deserves it, but Destiny 2 Beyond Light needed to change things up with the base game to bring people back and do a lot of quality of life changes with both the gameplay and the narrative to excite people about playing Destiny. And I think it did that. And that was a tall order. And the way that it did it is in a way that you did not expect. It's by cutting out a large portion of the game. Now, this may seem weird to hear if you're not a destiny player but the what beyond light did for destiny 2 is 
cut out half of the content in the game. It's just been removed from the game. And of course, they added new content to it. We have a returning uh, planet from Destiny 1 that is making its debut in Destiny 2, but also a whole new planet and a whole new set of, of challenges and and levels and stories and all of that. But by cutting out the portions of the game they cut out, all of a sudden the game loads faster. Little things like opening your menu to change what weapons you have equipped or how fast you get to a planet or all of this stuff is just suddenly so much faster. And that is such a game changer for Destiny 2 because Destiny 2 was getting very, very long in the tooth. It was getting slow. Uh, yeah, because I, I, that sounds like such a weird thing to to comment on, but I, the 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 speed of which Destiny moves now is the difference between 28k and cable. Like it is a world of difference. And not only that, I think I think they 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 are setting up their narratives much much more i think deliberately and so they, they told an interesting core story that leads into a lot of uh, good uh, end game material that i think they've taken out a lot of the fomo in destiny i mean there's still some there but it's not as the grind is not as as rough and they're also doing with with what they have as uh, the seasonal content what should have been done in the first place is there, there is a narrative that's going on throughout the season and it's not just a couple of hand-picked things there's a, a mission or two that you have to do that leads into new sort of events and everything they do is i think enriching the universe in which you're playing in and they're also they scaled the game so that even parts that you were breezing through before are more difficult now so that even seasoned players who've been playing since alpha have a challenge i remember when i when i booted up destiny to play beyond light and thought i was going to just traipse through a boss nah, fight dude nah uh-uh uh-uh no it was it was a rude awakening and i loved it i it's, loved it's a rude awakening that, that i feel like we haven't had since destiny 2 launched yeah i i would i would agree with that maybe forsaken a little bit but even forsaken i feel like i just kind of ran through this was the, yeah I, I think you're right Drew this is the first expansion since Destiny the first game I want to say maybe the Taken King or I felt that I couldn't just run through it mm. I, I mean not even I felt like I couldn't run through it I had to I had to scale back and start leveling up a little bit and playing some other portions of the game to continue with the story and that's <laughs> usually not the case with this game nope. Uh, so I don't want to talk too much about Destiny 2. It's also the newest game on our list right now uh, because Beyond Light really just came out. Actually, it's the second newest game on our list, but we'll get into a much newer game in a little bit. Uh, but also we talk about Destiny all the time. So I feel like we need we to do. we need to move on to our next one. And uh, this one is is an interesting one. Uh, this is the. Oh, so we're in a pandemic award called <laughs> Animal Crossing New Horizons. Animal Crossing Man, I I was I was so pumped for this game and I feel like it definitely delivered more than it needed to. And I think a lot of people's complaints for it are or were because we were in a pandemic and they had a lot more playing time, but 
I can speak for myself and Drew. I think you and I kind of bounced off at around the same time, but we played for about three months straight. Yeah. Before I mean, so, we put so, some time in that game. So here's the the deal with Animal Crossing: New Horizons. This was a game that Animal Crossing fans were looking forward to as a brand new Animal Crossing game. But the other side effect that you need to understand is that there's a little thing called the Nintendo Switch that was already very popular and was hard to find in stores pre-pandemic, the rumbling started to happen that there was going to be a big lockdown in the United States, that things were going to get locked down, we're going to be able to go to stores, we're going to be able to do things. The day before the state of Georgia was going to go into lockdown was also the launch day to Animal Crossing New Horizons. My wife found a Switch light at a target remember that <laughs> ran uh, like ran out picked it up picked up animal crossing new horizons she did not own a switch she had never played animal crossing before she just it looked like something she'd be into she then proceeded to get obsessed with that game as all of us did uh in a way yeah. that i have not seen her get obsessed with the game since world of warcraft uh which is saying something uh that that game if you can even really call it that, because it's kind of a, a is it a game? It's a sim. It's a it's a it, like you decorate a house, you you create a an island, you you do things. It's not like it has levels and boss battles. Like your boss battle is debt in that game, which is and it's not a very uh, unfriendly fight because. Uh, the person who lords over you just it's when, whenever you whenever you can man whenever you can give it to me that's fine but it's uh, also i mean not only do you have the cute animals and everything and you build your own island but it's a it's a relaxing life simulator in a way that you know yes you have goals and you have things you want to do and there are, are uh different events to do but everything is just kind of this chill i mean it's it's it is you're on island time the game and and not and not just that but you're on island time the game in the beginnings of a pandemic where we have locked down and are not allowed to go outside yeah and, and that and that cannot be overstated what a a absolute salve that was i mean not just you know playing a, a little cute island but also you could play with your friends and visit your friends islands and do different things like together and organize little little meet and greets and it was it was very fun it was cute it was wholesome and, and, and there was could... one time i think that we uh on our cosmic crit twitch hosted a, a game show that patrick had made from his island yeah it, it was it was the kinds of things that it gave us just enough new and open world to do that we could do together and experience as a society in a weird way that we weren't necessarily expecting. And Nintendo was not expecting this to happen. I, I believe it was Nintendo said that it, that Animal Crossing New Horizons uh, beat or, ex, or, or exceeded its lifetime expectations for sales and participation within the first two or three months, which is just wild when you think about it. It is, but given what we know about the time in which it was released, it's also not surprising. Sure, sure. 
that that a lot of these games are pandemic games. A lot of these ga- Final Fantasy seven remake came out just a few weeks after this. There's there's a lot of pandemic stuff on <laughs> on this list. Oh, I, but I also think that, I mean, Final Fantasy seven remake was a game that people were going to talk about no matter what. And, and 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 to be fair, Animal Crossing has always been a big hit. I mean, not top 30 best selling games of all time. Big hit. This is the best selling game in the Animal Crossing series. Uh, it's this, and it's the second best selling game on the Nintendo Switch after Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which but, is a pack in for a number of consoles. So that's tell, saying something. But traditionally, uh, Animal Crossing does very well. That's that is one thing that we kind of need to to stress that stress. But I mean, you're talking about, you know, this doubled the sales of the the last console animal crossing game or actually new leaf was 3ds but that sold about 12 million copies and this has sold more than double that that said i mean my only criticisms about the game really aren't to having to do with it, it being an animal crossing game it's that i was always a big fan of uh harvest moon and then subsequently like stardew valley and the things that i like about the farming and everything are not really present in animal crossing and sure. they had they have a farming mechanic but it's not the same it's not the, it's and not that type of game it's not what that game is about exactly and and that's that that's my only problem with it uh story of seasons comes out next year so i hope it does pretty well that's the the name for the harvest moon series now um and i i think maybe after the success of animal crossing it it might also get a little boost uh but yeah animal animal crossing was a was a a wholesome breath of fresh air when everything around you seemed to be mired in um negativity and terror <laughs> yeah for sure and i'm gonna throw another game at you miles another okay. mori when the world seems to be surrounding you with negativity and terror, who better to save you than a bunch of Japanese teens? This is the Japanese Teens Award Persona 5 Royal, the follow up to the original Persona 5, the expansion to that game that includes all the stuff in the original game, as well as other enhancements and a whole new aspect to the story. I've played I guess too you could much. Also argue that Final Fantasy 7 was also the, the Japanese Teen Award. <laughs> Well, no, because old man Barrett is 32. Oh, that's that's true. That's true. But um, <laughs> Persona yeah, I, I, I love the original Persona 5, and I, I will say I have not picked up Royal yet. You know, um, it, it's fine. Persona 5 as Royal. As someone who played uh, the expansions for Persona 3 and then Persona 4 the Golden, I know, I know what to expect from their expansions, and they always do a phenomenal job. I was a huge fan of Persona 5. Uh, it was the first mm. Persona 5 that I got attached to. I played through that game twice. I got a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Persona 5 Royal, I got the Platinum Trophy for, which is a a, a stellar achievement in the Sony achievement standpoint. It's also much easier to get the, the Platinum Trophy on the on Royal than the original. But it <laughs> it took everything that was good about that game and made that better. You didn't have to go to sleep all the time. And it's expanded a lot of parts of the story. It expanded a lot of parts of the gameplay. It was a, a, a better story overall when you include all the extra stuff. And, and to be quite honest, I'm, I love 
that game. Uh, it is a fantastic follow up to an original game. I'm not sure that I would have felt the same way had I not played the original Persona 5. I know that's a weird thing to say uh, that I feel like you get the most out of it if you've played the original uh, instead of starting with Royal. But that's a weird thing to say, because I, I can't say whether or not I, I would feel that way had I gone straight to Royal. Um, it is getting cheaper uh, by the day. And. Uh, sorry, I got a system notification that was super loud and it surprised me. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yes, the uh, the Japanese Teens Award Persona 5 Royal. Um, so this next award is uh, an, an indie game, and it's one that came out. Uh, it's one I played at PAX this year. I, I, I went to PAX East uh, with Krista to uh, hang out with our friend Patrick. And this was his news ab about the coronavirus was starting to kind of make a little bit of rounds because I know some people had pulled out. Um, I think Sony did, but it wasn't quite we weren't really sure yet. And so we, we decided to to still keep our trip at the time because we, we didn't really, you know, foresee what was going to happen. And, and a lot of the indie developers were still there. It was a, a, a really good show. Everyone was very, very safe. I was I was very impressed because almost everyone across the board had uh, hand sanitizer. Every, every single time someone played a game, they were wiping things down like they did a, as good a job as you could possibly do to get ahead of this thing at the time in the before times. And there is a game that uh, we, we've all played. Uh, we, we were struck by its, it's really soothing style. It has kind of a look of a, an animated film from the seventies or eighties. And it's got, it's just got this gorgeous style. It's, it's like playing a hand-drawn animated film. And not only that, but this game, uh, it was supposed to come out in the summer and came out in August, and it's called Spiritfarer. It's by Thunder Lotus Games. And this game came out at an interesting time for me personally because, and I can't remember if, I, if I've mentioned this on Twitter, but my, my father passed away this year. And Spiritfarer is a, a cozy management game that's about dying. It, you basically you, you build this boat and explore the world and you befriend and care for these spirits. And they're usually played by uh, they're, they're different animals. They're anthropomorphic animals that are done in, like, like I said, this like kind of Don Bluth style animation. And you, you care for them before helping them realize that they want to walk into the afterlife. And it's a, it's a very beautiful game because it's <laughs> not a game. It treats death with any sort of negativity. You're kind of like the the boatman on the river sticks in this game, right? Yes, uh, almost exactly. Instead of, and in fact, I think at the beginning of the game, you run into the uh, the boatman, and you find out that it, it's it's your turn, and death gets <laughs> on a vacation, and so you and your cat Daffodil, um, who is this big floofy cat. I mean, it's just it's a gorgeous game and it came out at obviously a very uh, specific time for me, but I, I I don't think you have to specifically relate to something going on in your life to enjoy it, because this is a game that we were touched by, you know, several months before. But it's I mean, it's an absolutely gorgeous game. It's beautiful in its attempt to tell you um, about the nature of life. And it's also just a very fun 
easygoing game. And I think the storytelling that they do, that Thunder Lotus game is pulled off with this, is just incredible. And so if you're looking for an, an indie game that's a little bit off the beaten path, uh, Spirit Fair is the way to go. Drew, uh, I know, I know you I, might have seen the commercials. Did you play I, this at all? I have not played this one. I have heard nothing but fantastic things about it, though. I, a lot of the the games press went went crazy for this game this year, uh, and 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 saying a lot of the same things you're saying. It's 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 like a a. Yeah, like you build your boat and you, you know, go out on missions and you do different mm-hmm. things and you build relationships with characters and, and, and all of that stuff that that you'd think of of in a game like a Stardew Valley or an Animal Crossing or a, or a Harvest Moon. It just happens to be with this particular spin on it. And I, I we got to talk with the people at Thunder Lotus who were the loveliest people. And they they were super, super humble and kind of surprised, even though they had a nice setup. They, they clearly came there to to catch people's eyes. It seemed that they got constantly surprised by the amount of praise that people were heaping on it. And they were they were just very, very sweet. And I think by the time I talked to them, they had not. I don't think it was known it was going to be on the switch until they announced it hmm. on an, an indie direct. And it was one of those those Steve Jobs moments where they, they announced it on the switch and it was available on switch that day. <laughs> and because they, they, they kept saying that everyone asked them about the switch and they, they seemed to be a little surprised by that. And, and I, I said, well, I mean, for indie games, a lot of people want to have them and have them on the ghost. So they can show it off to people. And it's just, it, it's become the system that you play these games on. And, and so I'm glad it seems that a lot of people had talked to them about it and and they were thinking about the switch. But uh, this one is is a very special game and it's put together by a, a, a wonderful group of people. And this, this was one of my favorite games at PAX, uh, along with a game called Evergate, which is a fun platformer, but also uh, amazing people. That, that's the one thing about PAX is you you'd find out that a lot of people making these incredible indie games are also incredible people and that's super super fun it always inspires me coming back from it feeling invigorated about video games <laughs> i hope we get the chance to go next year so speaking of next year i want to talk about a couple of games in the next couple of mores and then i think we're gonna we're gonna hit our big game of the year because for the first time in a long time i think miles and i have agreed on a game of the year yeah. But first, let's get into this. So 2020 has been a pretty banner year for video games and that we have also had a console transition. We've gone from the PlayStation 4 to the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox One S and X to the Xbox Series S. And, and everyone's X. got one. There's been no problems whatsoever. No, and everybody has <laughs> one. They've been plentiful in stock and nope. No, as as I've I've been working on my Emperor Palpatine impression with my son. No, no, no. Was that Lego Emperor Palpatine? No, that's uh when when he's oh. confronting Mace Windu and uh the his office in Coruscant. Oh, it was like based off the the holiday no. special. That just came no, he's got a weird voice when he says that. Anyway, so I am going to officially dub the Next Generation Potential Award. The potential of everything to come for the next generation to a little game on the PlayStation 5 called Astro's Playroom. So delightful. It is so delightful. 
Astro's Playroom is effectively a tech demo for the PlayStation 5 controller. Now, mm-hmm. PlayStation 5 is a brand new powerful console. The Xbox Series X and Series S are brand new powerful consoles. But what the PlayStation has is the DualSense controller. The DualSense controller that has haptic feedback when it comes to different portions of the controller being able to to vibrate in specific ways and very, very minute, like tiny little ways. And the triggers, if you're familiar with a game console controller of the last 10 years, 15 years now, they've got triggers on the back. Well, Sony came up with this way to with this kind of motorized corkscrew function to give resistance to triggers based on certain things. Mm -hmm. Astro's Playroom is the perfect demonstration for all of this stuff. Every step you take in the different areas of that game has a different feel to it, whether you're walking on sand on the beach in cooling springs, whether you're walking on on a steel surface in one of the other areas or whether you're sliding on ice or whether you're literally a ball that you're rolling around. And 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 all of these things feel so interesting and compelling in that controller and the triggers as part of that doing different things and feeling the the tension in one in one trigger and not the other and then vice versa as you're playing through this game it's not that deep of a game it is effectively a tech demo but it's also a love letter to the playstation franchise of which i am an incredible fanboy yeah it's it's wonderful because there there are all these little robots that are are reenacting scenes from playstation games it's kind of fun because some of some of them are pretty obvious and some of them are it takes you a little bit of a little bit of a moment to see what that is and some of them are kind of hidden too yeah it's just it's just oh man there's everything about this game i mean it's a fun little platformer it's not gonna it's not gonna you know give you too much trouble but it's not supposed to it's supposed to be something you can quickly do easily but then you want to beat your time you want to collect all the stuff you want to take a look around at everything and as far as showing off what the controller can do, if other developers utilize it, it's a really impressive piece of hardware. And not to mention that the stuff you're collecting, the things that you're collecting, the little trophies in this game are pieces of PlayStation memorabilia. Like you love it. You and collect. I forgot about you. You collect a memory card or a controller or a camera or or this random PlayStation move revolver controller that was to hold your playstation move or and there's one thing from the ps1 or ps2 era that you collect that i was like i don't know what that is i'm trying to know what it was it, was it the screen for the ps1 lowercase so. yeah so so the so the playstation one had a at the end of its life a smaller portable version called the ps one lowercase o and e that had a little tiny lcd screen that you could screw on the back of it and it would collapse down on top of it and it's just so weird it's so weird but it's reflected in that it is a love letter to playstation's past and and as you finish these levels that are as you realize subtly themed on different eras of playstations And you Mm -hmm. go up and you pull this final cord to plug something in and you're suddenly taken to this wall of gigantic TVs and you go and you have to jump 
on a PlayStation button. And as you jump on the PlayStation button and do a move, the screen kicks on and it gives you the the PlayStation one startup sound. And it's just perfect. It's it's mm-hmm. fantastic. Oh and talk about love letter, even even a reference to the original demo at the boss battle. Is, yeah. is basically the original PlayStation demo, like the original thing that like showed off what the PlayStation was going to do. And I mean, just everything about this is this could have been an, an easy like j- just throw something in there to say that we put a game in there. But yeah, is is this thing going to be like, oh, this came with a game? Maybe not for most people, but as far as, hey, if you have a console and you spent all your money on that, you will at least have something to play that is next gen that shows you what the controller can do and everything that the PlayStation 5 can do. And that that's cool. And not only that, it's a it's an incredibly charming experience. It's all the characters are cute. They look like Eve from Wally. And <laughs> I mean, this is not the first Astro game on PlayStation hardware. Uh, Astro's no. VR playroom or As- I forget the, the name of it was a, a fantastic PlayStation yeah. VR game. But mm-hmm. just they have built something so charming and. PlayStation with that, mm-hmm. that I, I just absolutely loved. And yeah, that I'm I'm right there with you and speaking of playstation i feel like we need to to give us the uh i don't even know what to call this one the the webbed up award no that's terrible the the uh i'm all the webby the the, i'm all wrapped (laughs) up in it award uh for another playstation 5 launch title Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> no, well, although that is a fantastic game and it does deserve some credit this year. We'll, we'll but, probably uh, talk about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales. I so I, I think I've said on record. On this podcast that the PS4 Marvel's Spider-Man what is one of my favorite Spider-Man stories of all time, the storytelling, the character development, everything they do in that game is excellent. And that goes for Miles Morales as well. Uh, the story they are telling, I have not finished the game yet. I just got it because I got my PS5 a little bit after, after Drew did. It's, it's on par in terms of its storytelling. And what they do with Miles is they don't forget where the kid comes from. They don't forget what he's about. And it is central to the story they are telling. They could have easily just said, oh, well, pizza out of town. We're going to tell a very similar story. But no, they, t- they make everything that is individually important about Miles Morales as a character part of the flavor of this game. And every time something happens that is intrinsically connected to that, you feel something. Yes. And like at the very beginning of the game, and this is not a spoiler because it's the very beginning of the game. You know, Pete says he's going out of town. That's that's the reason that he's not in this game. And he gives you your first Spider-Man costume which is basically like a little regular Spider-Man costume. It looks like a it looks like a trainee version of a Spider-Man costume. It, it does. It's, it's the scene where he gives it to him. I'm already starting to get emotional about it because it's just like this is so good and and you think that he's going to, you know, be a certain way with Miles because of the the way the first scene goes and he's not. And just everything about this game just connects emotionally. Yes, and I have finished this game twice. Uh, I I have gotten a platinum trophy on this game, which means 
that I have done nearly everything there is to do in this game. Miles Morales is a character that I adore. Thank you, Marvel Comics Ultimate Universe. Thank you, Into the Spider-Verse, the movie, Brian Michael Bendis. Miles Morales is a fantastic character. And what this game does, because he was introduced in the the 2018 Spider-Man game. They take all of that and all of the work they did there to introduce him in the world that they set him up in, and they just build on that. You go in, back to the original Spider-Man game and you go to the block that Miles lives on, and it looks kind of similar, but they've built up the game. They've built up so much more stuff in Harlem, which is where Miles lives at the start of the game. And, and it, they just give it so much more character so much more flavor so much more stuff going on not only that to talk about the the city a little bit i love that this game takes place at christmas time and during yes. the winter because the snow flurries and everything when you're when you're just swinging around it starts to snow and and the weather is kind of random it is so freaking gorgeous and it I'm is gonna, so beautiful. And I'm going to say Spider-Man remastered, a remastered version of the, the 2018 game that has 4K HDR and all this other stuff for the PS5 came out alongside Miles Morales. Miles Morales is a better looking game. It has more stuff going on. The city looks better. Everything about it just looks and feels better in that game. Yeah, because remember remastered, they just kind of, you know, they, they tweaked it a little bit. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't, yeah. they didn't give it the, milestone because they're probably working on the second game right now oh they absolutely are based on a number of things that happen in miles morales but but the the other side of this is that miles morales is not a full price game it is a 40 or 50 dollar game depending on the platform that you buy it on instead of a 60 or 70 dollar game like the 2018 version is and while i love the 2018 game the 2018 Spider-Man game has a lot of stuff going on, maybe too much in certain circumstances. What Miles Morales does is it takes what it has and it just tightens everything up so that everything matters. Everything works. And it's not something that I thought I would say about a Spider-Man game that didn't have everything that the last Spider-Man game had. But it's it just it's so... <sighs> It just works on so many levels because it doesn't do anything to distract you from what's going on in the way that the 2018 game did. It's I, certainly a very bingeable game, and I don't think that the the first Spider-Man was a bingeable game, nor, nor should it have been. I I see what you're saying, and I definitely like, think that like that's a merit for it. In, in the first in the first game, in the in the 2018 Spider-Man game, you're on your way to some big thing that's part of the plot, and then you get sidelined by the taskmaster and you have a whole bunch of just random taskmaster challenges that don't have anything to do with the main game or you're doing something in the dlc and then uh screwball shows up and she shows you a whole bunch of other challenges that have nothing to do with the main game and those challenges are great and the challenges are fun and those challenges are extremely frustrating but they don't mean anything but in this game, in Miles Morales, the challenges that you get are very minimal in comparison. But those are challenges that are made by Pete for Miles specifically. And you get a lot of pre-recorded yeah. dialogue from Pete that he has taken the time to make for Miles. And this is another thing that I want to say. 
This is a game that takes the time to show the respect that these two characters have for each other in a way that I did not expect to happen. I, I and I, I'm sure they're drawing on the into the Spider-Verse movie when it comes to this, where a lot of that stuff was earned. But you look at, at Pete and Miles and into the Spider-Verse, and you look at Pete and Miles in these two games, they're definitely different characters and different versions of those characters. But mm-hmm. everything that Peter has done for Miles is to set him up for success. And yes. every time that Miles thinks about Peter, he is worried about making sure that Peter he's not letting Peter down, but also, you know, he has nothing but respect for the things that Peter's doing. Spider-Man makes the worst jokes of all time in comics. He's a quippy. (laughs) Not much changes in the games, not much changes in the games. But what's funny about that is that Miles Morales in this game makes even worse jokes than Peter does he does but, but it's but it's it's but then he kind of like also thinks pete's jokes are awful because there's that one where he's talking about the bird facts and he's like oh god unsubscribe unsubscribe yes yes but then he's like oh man i gotta i gotta <laughs> but he also criticizes his own quippiness when it comes to to listening to peter quip it's very 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 good very sweet and also it just it 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 builds a different part of the world of these games that Spider-Man on a lot of on a lot of facets is very much a street level hero. Um, yes, he's one of the most powerful heroes in the, the Marvel universe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to what Spider-Man does, most of it is dealing with people on the ground level in New York City. And, and that's what I like that these games do. They keep it even when there's outlandish stuff. It's still it's a New York street level thing. Yes, but Miles Morales does that street level stuff better than Peter Parker does. Well, he, we I, we meet more people on the ground. We meet yes. more people in the city, in the neighborhood, and you literally do feel at the end of the game that this is not just the new Spider-Man, but the Spider-Man for this neighborhood. And that's something that I hope you see as you play through the game and finish the game. I reiterate that uh, a good deal. I, well, I, on one hand, I agree with, with everything that you, you said. I also, I disagree that, um, I think the first game does a good job of showing what New York means to Pete, but it, because it's telling so many stories and, and that, that story itself is so, all over the place you you miss that i mean you get it when you're doing the feast stuff sure in the first sure. and you're meeting the people in the in in feast and playing chess with them and, and doing that sort of thing i i liked the fact that there were so many distractions because it felt it felt chaotic like new york it felt like this might be a day in spider-man's life because if you read the comics you know crazy stuff happens to him it, all it the felt time chaotic like peter parker's life <laughs> yeah which i mean i understand uh, everything you said about what you liked about it being a little bit more tighter. But at the same time, I was kind of hoping for some sort of taskmaster bastard thing to pop up or or something like that. I, I enjoyed those things, but I, I also enjoy getting lost in the game. Like I, There have been plenty of times that, I, especially on the PS5, how how well New York runs. I mean, I've I've just swung around for an hour stopping crimes, just doing just no, nothing but stopping crimes for fun. It's just fun. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm sorry, Pete. I like Miles' abilities because if you don't know this about Miles Morales, <laughs> he's got different abilities than Peter Parker has. 
and Miles Morales' abilities, not Miles, aren't my co-host abilities because he has no abilities when it comes to shooting people with electricity or turning invisible. At least I don't think so. He's never mentioned it to me. Um, so maybe it's, so maybe it's a secret identity. But I'm holding out. <laughs> uh, but Miles Morales has a different power set than Peter Parker does, and the way they they built that power set into the game is so satisfying that going back and playing Spider-Man Remastered, it's like, I wish I had a Venom attack right now. <laughs> wish I could turn invisible right now. Yeah, the, the invisibility one is is a good clutch one to have because you can just kind of pop out of any any given situation for, for a good chunk of it. And uh, I, I definitely appreciated that. But yeah, no, the, the new powers are a lot of fun to play with. And based off of the ending of the 2018 game pete's gonna have some new powers in spider-man 2 uh due to a certain icky black substance but yes uh, and and i can't wait for pete and miles to be both integrated on some level equally into this next game because i feel like they have to and and seeing the difference that they they bring with Pete and new powers and new abilities and and Miles with with his abilities, I just I can't wait to see what they do next. And that's what I'm most excited about is to see these two Spider Bros spider out together. Yeah, I I mean this this is a fantastic game that you know it could it, they could easily have phoned this in, and that's that's the thing is this could have easily been still a home run and phoned in by just being more Spider Man and. The fact that they took as much care and attention to lifting up the character of Miles to such a degree of respect for not just the character, but but the audience of the character that I, I, this this game is so tremendous and it's going to mean so much to so many people in, in the way that Into the Spider-Verse did for so yeah. many people. I I adore this game. My kids, my my children love Into the Spider-Verse. It is a a movie that they watched a 100 times when it came out and and I watched it with them most of the time cuz I adore that movie. And then to see them you know picking Miles Morales like picking Miles Morales costumes when I play the game and they're watching me play it and like no do this one no do do his his movie costume do the costume with the cat do the costume with all of this and it's like just they they know Spider-Man more as Miles Morales than they know him as Peter Parker and well, that is I think it's the first time that Marvel created a character and really and, and it could have been just because, you know, Bendis was the one that did it, but really got behind it and made sure that it was a fully formed character that, I mean, really meant something to people. Yeah. Like they really just knocked out of the part with Miles. And I, I also have to say, like Into the Spider-Verse, this game uh, does focus a little bit on its dope soundtrack. And I remember the first time Miles has headphones on and I listen to a song, and I'm like, is that Jaden Smith? That sounds like a Jaden Smith song. Look it up. It's Jaden. <laughs> well, not, and, ju- not just that, but the first time that Miles wears the costume that Peter gives him, which has like a whole bunch of technology inside it, he's listening to a soundtrack, and as he's swinging around the city, a J. Jonah Jameson podcast pops up, which is a regular occurrence in the 2018 Spider-Man movie. Miles makes a joke about how, man, does... Does Pete subscribe to JJJ's podcast? <laughs> so funny. It's so it's a funny. Great, it's a great move. It's a fantastic move. There's a lot of good podcast and podcaster jokes in there. I think that's one of the best games of the year, but I also don't think that it's 
the best game of the year. Miles, I think it's time. I think we need to to rip the tab off of this. We need to to crack this can open. We need to rip the label off. Before we do that, I do also want to thank the makers of Spider-Man, Miles Morales, for finally letting me know how to pronounce Genki. Because I, I've I've fam? always mispronounced it. Fam, you right with that. You right. I didn't know if it was Ganka. I've didn't always know said Ganka. I, I, this is what so happens I, when I, you I, only I, ever read a thing. And Genki was cut out of the into the Spider Verse movie, so. Yeah, so I'm I'm really happy that I said that because I I just didn't know, and it maybe it could have been something I could have phonetically looked up, but I'm I'm I am very happy to know how to pro- properly pronounce that character's name. And, and also, yes. Genki is fantastic in the game. He's fantastic. He is amazing, He's amazing in the game. He's amazing, spectacular, superior, and sensational. Sensational and web of Genki. I was waiting for you to do that. <laughs> So web of. speaking uh, of so web gonna... of let's let's jump right to the end, Miles. I think it's time yeah. we need to crown our winner of the Mori Nerds Mori game of the year. This is something that I'm surprised that we one, I'm it, surprised it, that we came to. And two, I'm surprised at the game that it is. Yeah, this this is a surprise to both of us for reasons we'll get into. But we, we are going from the top of the New York skyscrapers scrapers down to the bottom of the depths of the underworld for Haiti. Our More You Nerd 2020 Game of the Year is Supergiant Games Hades. Released in September of 2020, though it did have a year of early access on the Epic Game Store, which I only found out after it existed. Hades follows the character Zagreus, the son of of the Greek god Hades as he attempts to escape the world of the underworld and try to find his mother. And this game is I could do a podcast series on this game. I'm going to try to keep this to 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 10 minutes max. I know we've already done about an hour here. I could talk for two hours about this game. I love this game. Love it. One of the greatest games of all time. And also a game that I never expected to attach to in the way that I did. So Hades is a what we call a roguelike game. I would maybe call it a roguelite game. But to define a roguelike game, it's based off an old, old type of game where you create a character You start out on an adventure, and when your character dies, they're dead. This game does that a little different in that it's all based on runs. You are are Zagreus trying to escape the world of Tartarus and go up through the the world of of Hades set up by your father uh, to escape to the surface world. And, And if you die, you just respawn back in your father's house out of a pool of blood. And it's just fantastic uh i can't say much about this game without talking about super giant games previous games so super giant games is known for making the game bastion uh and making uh a number of other uh, a number of other games i'm trying to think of what else they did um 
They did a game called Pyre. They did Transistor. Uh, but the th- one of the things about the games that you, that they are known for is just the sheer amount of spoken dialogue in these games. It's incredible how much dialogue they captured for this game. Like every single time, I you can go through time fifty and still get new dialogue for this game. Yeah, like I I am in run. 80 or 90 of trying to to escape and you know successfully escaping because i've played this game a few times but still getting new dialogue that is happening that is recorded it's not just text on a screen it's recorded dialogue performed by an actor it is ridiculous how much stuff there is in this game and and just and, and also just the sheer amount of characters so you have zagreus who is the main character is trying to escape from from the underworld. You have his father, Hades. You have all of the members of Hades court. Uh, so you have uh, uh, the 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 dude that is uh, uh, you have Achilles, who's who's the, the guy who's uh, who's a human who's dead, who trained uh, Zagreus and how to fight. You have uh, the, the dude who falls asleep all the time. What is his name? Uh, I cannot remember for some reason. Uh, you have Cerberus, the gigantic three-headed dog Cerberus. Best boy. Best, Best boy Cerberus. Best boy Cerberus. That every time you go up to him, you can pet Cerberus. And there's a very adorable thing that happens every time you pet Cerberus. And you have all these characters that you that you encounter as you go through. There's Sisyphus and Eurydice and Patroclus and and Electo and Tisiphone and Megara and Theseus and the Minotaur and and all of these other characters that that come through. And this isn't even talking about the Greek gods, because you get bonuses and boons every time you play through that are randomized that are given to you by the Greek gods. Zeus will let you strike somebody with a with lightning as you deflect their attack and hate and and and, and Ares will let you put a little spinny wheel of death underneath you. As you dash away from something and Poseidon will let you knock foes back and more and more and more and more. And again, all of these characters are voiced and all of these characters have so much voiced content because there's relationship building with every single character in this game. And as you build the relationships, more and more story opportunities go through. I have played this game for hundreds of hours, and I am not nearly through the story of the game. And I I think it it has to be stated that what makes Hades so good is not just that it's a a very competent roguelike. It's one of the best roguelikes I've ever played, but you do not feel punished. It, it, It is all in how you feel about your runs, because as Drew said at the top of this, it, you know, usually you lose everything and you're, you know, the, the previous character iterations ancestor or some such nonsense. And here, because of the mechanic of being the son of Hades, you know, when you die, you just, you just pop back up in the from the river. But you, and you are made lost. fun of by people for how you died. But what's so Ugh. good about this game is, I, yes, there have been times that it's been tense, especially when you get to the surface. but 
every time I die, I feel like I've learned something. I've come up with a different strategy about how I want to do something. But you never feel like the game is. It's punishing, but it's. I never feel defeated when I die. I feel like I am constantly evolving how I play. And that is entirely encouraged by the way the game goes. And there are things you can buy to become a little bit more powerful in your initial walkthrough before you start getting your boons from the gods, which are randomized, which can be frustrating, but it also adds a, 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 a degree of possibility to the game that I think makes it very, very enticing. Yeah. Not only that, but as Drew said, the, all these Greek gods and goddesses and uh, everything in between are not only well voiced, but they're they're well written. And one thing <sighs> that everyone picked up on is is how absolutely horny this game is. Like that, <laughs> this game is. I wasn't going to go there, but it's true. It's true. We, you, but we know I will. And but here's the thing is. And this is something that I, I've, I've mentioned a little bit uh, when we were talking about Mortal Kombat and how it kind of went awry with Conquest. This game is equal opportunity horny. I mean, this has something for everybody. And not just that, but it's done in such a tasteful and I think um, pleasing way that it's just fun it's just fun yeah when it when but stuff it, it, happens it's, like it's, it's not done to any gratuitous means but it's done yeah there is a sense of fun about it there's a sense of whimsy that is not in something where you know you would get if you if this was the 90s you know well, and, and and i want to add in that like so dionysus is a a Greek god that you encounter in this game fairly frequently. Uh, he's just this big shirtless dude with long purple hair. Who's he's he's a fantastic character. So good, he's so good. But and Dionysus is the god of wine and revelry in in the Greek pantheon, and you definitely feel that whenever Dionysus is on on screen, his ability that that he gives Zagreus to inflict on people is called hangover, which does damage over time. Mwah. It's so great. Perfect. It's so great. It's so perfection. Good. But there are so many cute but, little things about these powers and and what they say about the gods. <laughs> but this goes a step further, and this is this requires that you know about the the history and interpretation of Greek gods, because if you look at certain texts, Zagreus and Dionysus are interchanged. There was a portion that a portion of time where they were the same character it, thousands of years ago. They have become different personas and different characters since then. But there is a whole subtext arc where Dionysus and Zagreus have this conversation about how, ah, for some reason, I feel like we're sort of connected, man. You know, we I feel like you could stand in for me and I could stand in for you and it'd be all good. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, and it's just it plays out so fluidly that if you don't know that aspect of 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 those two characters, it's just this fun moment. But there's like there's there's real history of these gods that has gone into the development of these things. And, and, and that's even before you get into some of the 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 non-god entities like 
Sisyphus, who is one of the best characters in games in 2020, and his partner Boldy. Uh, Sisyphus, if you're not aware, is a guy who is tasked in the underworld to push a rock up a mountain, and every time it gets to the top of the mountain, it just rolls down the other side, so he's got to go back down and push it back up. And in this game, he's just this, you know, happy British, like, oh, hello, Prince Z. How are you doing today? Uh, <laughs> just, it, it, the only the only reason he would be better is if Reese Darby voiced him. Yes, I feel like. I and, would, and this I would is not to the voice actor who does voice him because the voice actor does an amazing job. But like, I just if I could hear that 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 whimsical New Zealand voice, that hello I love there, so Prince Z. Uh, but uh, but I also love that <laughs> Za- that Zagreus, uh, not Zagreus, that that uh, Sisyphus has into his boulder carved a giant smiley face and refers to it as bold it's perfect this game is nearly perfect for what it is and i just want to point out metacritic has for both a reviewer score and a a player score a 93 out of 100 and a 92 out of 100 it's got nines and tens out of tens on nearly every platform this game is well respected it is also cheap it's max 25 bucks you can't get a game that has this 15 at this point that's what i paid for it i think yeah Uh, i missed i missed buying it at launch on the switch it was 20 bucks and then it jumped to 25 i missed the 25 or the 20 dollar price by a day and you know what i'd spend 50 on it i want to get it on another platform uh as i should say i want to get it on another platform specifically because i love my nintendo switch but it's not the most graphically fi- graphical fidelity console out there. Um, if I could get it on a, on PC or on PS5, where I could see this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful art in higher quality, I would love that because the art direction in this game is also just phenomenal. Well, everything I I like the. The mixture of Japanese anime with the traditional kind of Greek uh, art style. Yeah, you know, I I hadn't thought of it as anime inspired, but I I can see that for sure. It's it's very cool juxtaposition. And I I mean, yeah, the art style of the game is a phenomenal the way the way Hades itself looks is very cool. Every everything is is designed with a purpose. And sometimes things are just whimsical for being whimsical, like you can. (laughs) decorate your bedroom if you feel like it and <laughs> you can literally put weights that are impossible to lift on the floor to act like you have lifted these impossible to lift weights <laughs> and, and also on top of of the the design of of the game the music is mwah. music is there, gorgeous there is gorgeous music there's one vocal track uh that is uh play uh Eurydice, i think Eurydice. Eurydice. Um, that she sings and then later there, there's a, a duet but that that song is so good i've listened to it on spotify many many times it popped up in my top tracks of 2020 it's it's so good the, the the general music in this game is so good every i think it's what makes this game such a success it's not that one particular thing is good it's not that it plays well it's not that you don't feel as beaten down when you lose <laughs> It's, Which, it's, by the way, all of these things are true. It does play well. You don't feel beaten down when you lose, but continue. 
Yeah, it, it's not that the characters are well developed and that you get something new constantly. I mean, you can Constant. be on your 60th run and still encounter new things. And it's it's everything that is put together here because a lot of a lot of roguelikes have had bits and pieces of what this game offers. And I know it sounds hyperbolic to say because both Drew and I admittedly are not massive roguelike fans for the very reason that this checklist is not met. It's, I have only I, gotten into one roguelike prior than this game, prior to this game. Rogue Legacy? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> and that did a very good job too, but but this one hits things in such a way that I, I honestly believe this is the best roguelike ever made. I agree with that. Hands down. I am again, we're not roguelike players. And and I need I need our audience to understand. Miles and I collectively do not like roguelike games. We don't like them. We find them stressful. We don't find them to play particularly well. The fact that a roguelike game is our game of the year collectively, the two of us, when we could be giving this award to Final Fantasy VII Remake or Destiny 2 Beyond Light or Final or, 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 or uh, uh, Persona 5 Royal or any other game that came out this year. Miles Demon Morales, Souls. Demon Souls, whatever. This is telling. Hades mm-hmm. is phenomenal. It is one of not just the best games of the year. Hades is one of the best games of all time. It is super giant games doing what they do at a top tier level. They have taken mm-hmm. everything they learned from Bastion. They've taken everything they've learned from Transistor and they have married it into one game that I am honestly going to be shocked if they could ever do anything better than this. And I don't mean that as a disappointment to super giant games. I want them to continue making games. They are one of my favorite game developers because of what they have done. I just can't imagine that anyone could do better than this. Yeah, and that's that's a problem that when you when you make something that is often put in best of all time, and I, I agree with Drew, I, I would put this on a list. Maybe not my top 10, but top 20. I, I, I don't know. It's I in my top 10. I, I, can't, I can't describe how attached I was to this game. I can't um, believe it. And, and even top 20 is still an excellent uh, spot. I mean, it definitely is on a... <laughs> I played 20 games this year. I, I think that's right. also true. <laughs> but I, I do think, yes, it, it, and, and it could be on a top 10 of mine. I don't, I don't know. I haven't sat down and thought about that list in a while since the last time we did that for the podcast. But I, I definitely think this is one of the best games of all time. And is a studio, a studio that has constantly excelled at outdoing themselves. And... It will be interesting to see their next game because now they have this pressure on them. And I feel, I honestly, I kind of sympathize with them because, um, <laughs> because I, I ha- how can you do better than this? You guys no, did such the, a good job. <laughs> even, even when you do something good and I haven't had the chance to play the last of us part two yet. I I've talked either. to many people in, t- in including some personal friends as well as, uh, uh, former co-hosts of the show. And they all tell me it's a, a pretty solid game, but the problem is when you set up, one of the best narrative experiences of all time, no matter what you do next. And I know there's also some other controversial uh, things about the game. Uh, what you do next is going to be looked on with a much finer cone. You know, it's just, it's the way of things. When you do something amazing, the next thing you do is, I mean, they're just going to tear it apart. It's happened to everything. It's happened to Star Wars. 
And I'm not yeah. talking about the new movies. I'm talking about Empire Strikes Back when it came out, got torn apart. What do you mean, Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah. You, you read sci-fi magazines from the time and reviews that movie, which is now considered one of the best science fiction movies of all time. People got up screaming in the theater because it did because they couldn't believe that it happened. Yeah, it's it's it is something that we do as people. And I've never really understood it because I would much rather enjoy something than not enjoy something. <laughs> that that said, I do think that the the company Supergiant Games has a a lot of pressure under them. But that said, I would not give into it because they just need to celebrate the fact that they made one of the best games of all time. They made the best roguelike of all time. And they made a game that people are going to remember cherish love and cosplay for years to come it is the best game that came out this year the biggest crime of 2020 is that we could didn't have conventions and i couldn't get to see people in hades cosplay that's the biggest crime of 2020 i know there's a lot of other crimes of 2020 this is the one i'm sticking to for right now because it's (laughs) playful and fun Uh, and you know what uh potatoes above every other roguelike you can pet Cerberus. You can pet Cerberus and you can flirt with a floating Medusa head named Dusa, which is just darling. I love Dusa. <laughs> this whole game, if you could, if there was the literal embodiment of a chef's kiss that mm-hmm. was just, I love this game. And, I love and, this and game. Th- when the game was being announced or something, there was an, like an anime style cutscene, a trailer, and I was like, I, I want to see an Hades animated movie. I want to see it. I, I want to see it. Just the character designs are so good. They're so good. They're so good. They're so good. The art in this game DLC. is fantastic. Okay, I'm, I'm, I got to stop talking about this because we're we're an hour and fifteen in, and like I said, I could talk about this game for three hours. I could do it because I've spent. As many hours in Hades as I've spent in Persona 5 Royal, and I've spent a lot of hours in Persona 5 Royal. So you need to understand how much I love this game. Game of the year. Can't believe it. It's going to a roguelike. The roguelike is Hades. Supergiant Games. Go play it. It's on everything. Now, we are wrapping up our The More You Nerd Mori Awards for video games. I can't believe how far we've come in 2020. But we need to wrap it up next week. Next week is the last More You Nerd episode of the year. We are continuing the Mories with another thing that we've spent a lot of time with this year, and that is television. The Mori Awards for TV shows and miniseries. That's coming next week. I cannot wait because I don't think you're going to be very surprised with my picks on things, but you might be. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but until then, if you would like to reach out to us, themoreyourner.com, you can tweet to us at themoreyourner, facebook.com slash themoreyourner. And of course, if you want to email us, you can email us all your picks from the Mories. Anything you think we need to talk about that we haven't talked about, the more you nerd at gmail.com. That's the more you nerd at gmail.com. Miles, how you feeling, buddy? Feeling great. I I can't wait to talk TV. I had the, I had a blast talking video games because, you know, as much as a dumpster fire as this year has been, there were some phenomenal games and there were plenty of amazing games that we didn't even mention so 
instead of yelling at us, just write to us and tell us what your favorite games of the year were. And while you're doing that, tell us what your favorite te- television shows or episodes or miniseries were of the year. And if you do, we'll talk about it on air because I would love to share what some people saw. I know I didn't see everything. There's plenty I haven't seen, and there's plenty that I did. I think next week will be a a longer episode because we did watch a lot of TV this year. Yeah, and we might hold out just to make sure we can f- maybe see the last episode of a particular uh, TV series with a gentleman wearing a helmet uh, that <laughs> only has a couple of episodes left. We'll see how far we get. Uh, so with that, we end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd. out. out.